Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and little heeded them, for he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe for good, at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in the outset, and knowing that such as these would be blind anyway, he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle up their eyes in grins, as have the malady in less attractive forms. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that truly be said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, every one. Well, that was splendid. Just I'll splendid. Right, out you go. I'm having a friend I over. I can't find my coat. What? No, no, I haven't touched your coat. It's free. Yes, I know it's snowing. Out. I don't... What a bloody show. Hey, now that's good. No, that's good. The bloody show. Hmm... Cheers. A hearty and very festive welcome to The Bloody Show, Episode 1. Now you may be wondering what kind of pomposity and arrogance would lead me to start a podcast with a Christmas special, but honestly when I decided to start one in January I knew I'd probably procrastinate until the end of the year and we're in December now so it's now or well next year. And you're also probably thinking, but Freddie there's a veritable plethora of podcasts out there so who on earth needs the objectionable nasal twang of yet another horror movie fan who fancies their chances at casting a pod? Although putting it like that does give me pause for second thoughts. But it's Christmas, the time of goodwill to all, a glass of black tower, a cheese board and the roaring fire of festive horror from ghost stories for Christmas to gremlins. And to one or two of you, this episode may seem as if all your Christmases have come at once. And to the rest of you, you've clearly been very, very naughty this year. So why are Christmas horror movies so popular? Take almost any other seasonal occasion and you'll be hard pressed to count more than a handful of horror films set in and about that particular time of year. Even Halloween, a traditional favourite season of the discerning horror fan, barely holds a candle to the sheer volume of Christmas set chills. A quick IMDB search, for example, reveals a wealth of festive nasties, ranging vastly in quality. For every Black Christmas, a Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, better watch out. For every rare export, a Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman. 
Even renowned Italian filmmaker Aldo Lardo got in on the act with Night Train Murders, also known as Christmas Massacre, and year on year we're gifted new horrific delights including demonic Santas, psychotic children, yuletide ghouls, elves run amok, and deranged killers, often set to the slightly off-kilter sound of Carol of the Bells or God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. This is not to say, of course, I find fault with any of the above. Would I be here talking to you if I wasn't a fan of Christmas Horror Fair? Just as well, then, that there's an absolute abundance of it. But still, why so many films? Maybe the juxtaposition of the most wonderful time of the year, with dark themes, extreme violence and death, is the root cause of such proliferation of Christmas horror. Maybe, like the even more saturated Christmas music market, it represents the opportunity to exploit a largely captive audience and make a killing, though not literally one hopes. Or maybe it's just the simple fact that the spray of arterial blood looks amazing on crisp white snow. Joining me today is the rather splendid Gareth Alfred Morgan, better known as Slasher Trash for those who frequent his Facebook, Twitter and YouTube channels, where he's fast becoming one of the authorities on the slasher movie. But today we'll be discussing all things festive horror though I dare say a Christmas slasher movie or two will not go ignored. So, settle down, relax, close your eyes, unless you're driving, and let's see what surprises Santa has in his enormous sack. Gareth, a very Merry Christmas. Uh, how the devil are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing absolutely amazing. I'm so honoured to be here and to be your first well, it's what I always wanted. Um, I'm no. feeling fitfully festive myself and decidedly alliterative. So um, what have you been up to lately? Um, I know you've been busy putting together your own debut YouTube channel. Uh, do you want to give us a quick update on what that entails, how it's going, and when can we expect to see it? Oh, okay. Well, barring... Uh Barring another disaster, it should be up and running very soon. I have decided that my very first video review will be on The Burning. But that was because, obviously, I conducted a poll on Twitter, which everybody voted for. Um, I think we all knew that it was going to end up being The Burning. I've had a couple of technical difficulties, but hopefully it will be up and running very shortly. Okay, not putting... Not putting you under pressure, but Sunday, yeah. And a nice Christmas present. I'd love to get. I'd love to get it out before Christmas. I've heard that about you. <laughs> and, I've heard that. About and, you. and maybe the episode as well. Splendid. Well, lucky us. What a present that will be. What a gift. Yes. Um, so uh, festive horror. Um, now. Halloween's traditionally the time of year that horror fans look forward to. Um, Twitter's already full of people counting down until next Halloween, bizarrely. Um, but even as an avowed horror man, you love Christmas, right? I love it. I love Christmas. It's amazing. What is it about Christmas that you love? Is it just a bit of everything? Is it a bit of the camp? Is it a bit of the presents? Is it the feasting? What does uh, it? I just, I, lo I just love receiving, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't have I, <laughs> I love I, I just love i just yeah i think what it is um obviously as a kid yeah getting presents and everything that's great yeah but yeah i think as i got to a certain age it was it was actually um sort of unraveling the potentially sinister, sinister side of christmas i think uh nobody ever really 
when you're when you're a certain age, obviously, you know, you look Father Christmas or Santa Claus or whatever you like to call him. He's obviously a great guy. You know, he's a guy that brings you presents. Um, but obviously, watching horror from a young age, and you know that Halloween is like a scary time of year. I think one day you just sort of think maybe you see something on TV or whatever that's a bit creepy around the festive period, and you suddenly just think. What if Santa's bad? What, 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 if he, what if he's out there to get me? And, and then it sort of all just sort of came from that, really. And, and seeing a few, like, creepy sort of Christmas tales on TV, films and TV shows and what have you. And then all of a sudden, it was like, Christmas is great because I love horror. You get presents. You get to get hammered. You get to eat God knows what and don't feel too bad about putting on 20, 30 pounds in the space of, like, <laughs> I don't know, like 24 hours. Yep. And you get to just scare the crap out of everybody as well. It's fun. So, um, when did you kind of first become aware of that darker side to Christmas? Was it was it a film, a, a, like a television show, something else? Well, yeah. The funny thing is, and, and you'll like this, but believe it or not, it's actually Jaws. Um, this is what well, this is the first part of my little story. So, when we were kids, obviously, like maybe like six or seven, um, for, for whatever reason, a, the Jaws movies, James Bond as well, but the Jaws movies would always be on TV at Christmas time. Mm. Um, and that was sort of my first real introduction to sort of horror as such, you know, seeing blood and, and obviously scary things on screen, like music, like obviously the, the, you know, the score in Jaws is just like, oh my God. Um, and we'd all just sit around and watch whatever one, it would be Jaws 1, 2, 3, whatever. And those are like, like my really early memories. Um, but it was the, definitely the one that stands out for me, which, which like genuinely affected me like forever. It still does now, even I'm 37. It was like Christmas Eve, 1989. Um, and this TV film called The Woman in Black um, was going to be shown on ITV at nine o'clock. And sort of preceding that, there was a couple of adverts that would show, um, you know, probably around about seven or eight o'clock. And I, I'd, I'd watch these adverts and I'd be like, what the hell is this, is this creepy ghostly woman in black you know scaring people because uh, i'm like i think i was like eight years old at the time um and it just it totally fascinated me but it's just scared the crap out of me as well and i remember looking through the radio times you know you'd always get the radio times with all yep, the list yep. and there was a picture of her in there and i was just oh my god but I, as a kid i think we all know what fascinated us about horror is like even though it scared you, you had that, it was like a thrill, like an adrenaline rush. You, you know, you'd regret watching something scary at the end of the night when you had to go to bed and you couldn't sleep, but something kept dragging you back. And, and even though like this figure, this, this image of this woman in black and seeing her on the TV for these adverts, I just knew I had to watch it. Um, and I was just desperate to watch it, but I was eight. It was nine o'clock Christmas Eve. And my parents were like, you're not watching that, mate. And I was like, oh, no, please, please. But the, the, normally I would just like wear them down by just saying I'll, I won't stop talking until you, you let me watch uh, whatever it is I want to watch. But this time, because it was Christmas Eve and I was eight at the end of the day, I knew that when he said, go to bed, go to bed, it's Christmas tomorrow. I did think you have got a point. You know, I can go to bed. It's Christmas. Loads of presents. This is the one night where you can tell me to go to bed. And I'll think that's a good idea. So I never actually got to see it. But then the thing is, what happened after that is she plagued me. The woman in black plagued me and scared me forever because my imagination just kept bringing her back to like the forefront of my, of my mind. And every time I got to sleep, I'd see her in my dreams and I'd think she's there in the corner of the bedroom. And, and literally it become a full on like sort of like a phobia. And I, I really sort of, I didn't say struggle with it, but she literally was the one thing that I was scared of as a kid. And it didn't actually repeat. And it's only ever repeated once on uh, British TV. Um, ever since and that was like 1994 uh, on New Year's I think it was New Year's Eve or New Year's Day on Channel 4 
and I finally got to see it. And, and that is then when it obviously further cemented my fear. So that's yeah, it's, yeah. It's good times, good times. No. very happy days. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. Um, it's interesting that you say about not being able to, or uh, saying on Christmas Eve that you, you'll go to sleep. And, and ironically, it's that time of the year that you can't sleep anyway. So you may as well <laughs> stay up and watched it, to be honest. I mean, mine, yeah. mine's slightly different from yours. And as well, you know that I, I, I've only recently actually seen the women in Earth, the women in black that's the sequel um, the woman in black which is um you know more shame me but um from my point of view it was I, every year and it's it's a weird one because i can't remember when gremlins actually first uh, came out on vhs but i can remember seeing that at home in the late 80s and my mum would rent it for me every single year um and the thing is i mean we'll probably argue about this a bit because i know you've got you kind of feel that gremlins isn't really a horror film and to be honest it never scared me um but i just found it fascinating i think it was like there's something about that black humor that even as a as a 10 year old for some reason was just there's something a bit off kilter about that and i like it but you're not such a big fan i know nowadays are you um yeah it's, it, it is a strange one and it is sort of in a way a disappointed one for me because um, Gremlins was one of those films that I grew up with and I recorded yeah. on TV and it was synonymous with Christmas. It, it was something that um, pr probably maybe even before The Woman in Black, I, I did see it and that, that sort of was a staple for Christmas viewing for us. Um, and yeah, as I, said, I think I recorded it off TV and probably wore the tape out. I watched it so many times and it was like my favourite film yeah. for certainly a period when I was a kid. Um, but it's one of those ones that um, it, you go back to it years later and because obviously back then it had the blend of of horror you're scared you're like you're striped oh, oh my god the lead the yeah. lead gremlin um but yeah it was kind of funny as well and and you could i could see that even as a kid but when you get when i got older it just got to the point where all i could see in it was was the humor the black humor and obviously little gremlins and that, i just didn't find in any way shape or form threatening or scary you kind of just visualize yourself just booting them across the floor um, kind of a similar thing with child's play really like how Chucky would like scare you when you were a kid but you know you just think to yourself when you get older you're like yeah. they're fun movies but they're not just scary yeah yeah I, don't, I wouldn't say it's not horror but it's it's that family horror for me where like yeah. anybody can sit down and watch it and I think if kids can sit down and watch it um, uh, it's just on the borders for me I don't know yeah no to be fair my mum would go out it would be uh, Christmas Eve every year and she would go out with like my sisters or my brother, whatever. And, and my dad and they would leave me at home and I'd watch it by myself. So they didn't see it as particularly threatening or they didn't know any better. Um, but that was kind of like a, a, an intro to me. Interesting that you say uh, Jaws though, because Jaws, the revenge, as you know, a classic film, um, yeah. a Christmas set uh, horror of sorts um, because the opening scene starts on Christmas Eve. Um, and, yeah, I, I love Jaws the Revenge. I don't care what anyone says. But anyway, moving on. Sorry, sorry. Um, so what horror-related films or TV do you go back to then, would you say, every Christmas? Is there any specific ones? Uh, you know, say like the women, women... Keep saying women. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, so woman, in, <laughs> woman in black. You to cut it out. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, dear. It's a, it's a terrible vice. Oh. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Jaws the Revenge. Of course. Jaws Revenge, every year, without fail, I put it on, on Christmas Day, and I just put it on repeat, and I yeah. don't even bother opening I, presents. I don't. That is, a bit, that is the biggest present that you could ever ask for, and there's nothing that I'm going to open that's going to be 
Jaws the Revenge, to be honest. So I want to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny you said that about Jaws Revenge because as I said about how like, they became, you know, uh, sort of regular Christmas viewing for us, um, I, I can't imagine I, I did see the first three in order, but I'm pretty sure because for Jaws Revenge, is it 1987 it came yep. out? Yep. I, I would almost certainly say that the fourth one was the last one I saw, uh, as in like, yeah, so sort of in sequence. Yeah. Um, so it probably hit TV maybe around about maybe 1990, maybe something like that, maybe a little bit later. So I would have been around about 10. And I remember the first time I saw that film and, and now everybody slagged it off. Um, when is it? Oh, wow. What's the name? Son, isn't it? Brody's son. Uh, uh, on, on the, on the, is it his son on the boat? At the at beginning. The yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he gets his arm ripped off. Uh, yeah, Sean Brody. Yeah. Yep. Well, that that terrified me absolutely beyond belief and shocked the hell out of me. So maybe at the time that was probably one of the more sort of gorier scenes that I that I had witnessed. And and so yeah, that that sort of for me it does have a bit of a Christmas vibe to it as well because I remember yeah. sitting around watching that at Christmas. But um, yeah, mine mine to be honest, um, every, every year without fail is the original Black Christmas. That's one that I will watch without fail mm-hmm. every single Christmas. No, no, fair enough. And I, I do the same as well. It just feels, it's one of those films that um, I've seen it enough that I can only watch it once a year anyway, at best. Yeah. But it just doesn't feel right to watch it any other time of the year. It's one of those you kind of sit down and you just, you, you have the Christmas lights on and you watch it and you just kind of let it kind of roll over you every year. I've just hit my microphone, by the way, so it probably made an inordinate amount of noise. Um, but yeah, you let, you let it roll over you and, and you just, uh, you just, uh, yeah, every every single year without fail, I really not explain myself very well. But um, what you I, say, you're talking about letting things roll over you. Are we still yeah. talking about the film? Or I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but yeah, black. I mean, Black Christmas, absolutely for me. But it's not necessary. I mean, just to kind of segue into Christmas films in general, uh, it's not even just horror films that I I will watch. I'm I'm a bit of a sucker for a Christmas film. So there are kind of perennial films that I'll always sit down and watch. I mean, I will watch, I will watch Gremlins. I will watch Black Christmas. I will watch Christmas Evil and yada, yada, yada. But um, I, I, without fail, will watch Christmas Vacation every year. Um, I'll watch Elf, Polar Express. I'll watch Christmas with the Cranks. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis in, so it kind of counts. And ever since I was, 10 years old there was a program on bbc a children's program called the box of delights and i watched that every single year um in the weeks leading up we watched like an episode a week up to christmas eve so that's that's something i'll always watch and i make no apologies about it what about you it's interesting you said about um christmas vacation um i'd i'd saw that for the very first time probably this time last year um, we Chevy Chase. It's Chevy Chase, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. what we're talking about. You've National never Lampoon. seen Christmas Vacation before. No, it's funny. And Chevy Chase, when we were growing up, um, he he was a favourite of our household, and we used to watch, you know, um, like is it Fletch Lives? And, yep. Yep. Um, yeah, and and obviously the other National Lampoon movies, uh, like I think European Vacation. Um, but Christmas Vacation, I don't even know how or why. I, I, I was very aware of it. I'm very familiar with the, 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 the cover art and so on. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just one that we just never saw. Um, so I thought, I've got to watch this. And um, if I'm not mistaken, is it, uh, Juliette Lewis plays the daughter. Um, uh, and, she does, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and Johnny Galecki from, That's right. from Big Bang Theory. Right. Right. Yeah. And I just thought, this is great. I was just watching it thinking, oh, this is brilliant. It's a who's who of who went on to do stuff. 
apart from Chevy Chase, of course. Yep. Um, <laughs> bless him. <laughs> I think he showed up in Hot Tub Time Machine, didn't he? He did. He did. He, he appears in... Um, he, I know he was in uh, the TV show that's just popped out of my head that was quite popular for a while. Community. Community. Um, he was in that for a while. Uh, he, he tends to do a lot of kind of Christmas TV movies and pop up in those, bizarrely. But by all accounts, he's not the nicest person in the world so um yeah i hear that i hear that but i like that i always Uh, like that when i find that out about celebrities it makes me like them more i don't know why i guess i just love the drama (laughs) it's like anybody tells me a story about what one of my one things i like the most about like when you do go on like facebook and stuff um one of the one of the comments or topics i like the most when people say about when they go to like the horror conventions and stuff like which celebrity is like the biggest asshole i'm just like those those are the, the the topics that I just love when they're like, oh yeah, Chris Sarandon, blah 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 blah. He he hates he hated Child's Play. He thought it was a stupid movie and he only ever wants to talk about uh the is it the Princess Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He only wants to talk about that and, and he doesn't mind Fright Night, but if you try and talk to him about Child's Play, he'll slap you in the face. I just <laughs> love that stuff. I think it's great when, when I find out that they're not that you know, some of them are just they're human beings and, and if they're pissed off, God damn it, you know, they're going to let you know they're pissed off. And I hear well, that Chevy Chase is a difficult yeah. customer. They say never meet your heroes, don't they? So, yeah, all mine are dead. So there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, you won't be meeting those. That's my fault though. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Um, so <clears throat> I spoke to you about this before about picking um, your top five and uh, Christmas horrors. Um, I thought what I would do is pick my top five horror TV shows or TV segments or TV episodes uh, while you pick your top five Christmas horror movies. Fortunately, we've done our homework before. We're not going to be just randomly picking them now. Um, So I'm happy to go through. If you want me to start, I'm more than happy to do that. And I can talk through the top five I've picked and then I'll let you go at it. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Good. Okay, so these are in no particular order, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna run through them anyway. So my 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 first pick is the League of Gentlemen Christmas special. Um, now there's three tales about voodoo, revenge, vampirism in 1970s Germany, and there's one about ancestral curse. Um, both bookmarked by the childhood incident that returns to haunt one particular character. They're um. I don't. Do you know much about the League of Gentlemen? Have you ever watched them at all? I have never seen it. You've never. never. Mm. No. So th- this is your chance to school me. <laughs> well, um, I mean, the series is is another thing entirely. Um, it's like a series of characters set in a town called Royston Vasey. Royston Vasey being Chubby Roy Chubby Brown's real name, um, <laughs> and it's pretty. It's it's very black, dark, kind of grimy comedy um it's very funny very well observed um and the christmas special for me is the high watermark so they do this kind of amicus studio style portmanteau Uh, it's beautifully observed um and it captures that balance of being very funny and very creepy at the same time um the middle sections are kind of a kind of strange take on nosferatu 
um, set in Germany's, uh, set in Germany's, set in Germany um, in, in the mid 1970s. I don't want to talk about it too much because what I don't want to do is if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you. But I reckon you should go away and watch that before Christmas. For me, it's an absolute Christmas perennial. I watch it every single year without fail. But um, I'll, I'll leave that one with you to look at. Who is it? Oh, good. You are still erect. <laughs> I was petrified you would be asleep. I thought I would just creep in and give this to you. It is your Christmas present. Thank you. The paper is a little lousy, but I hope you understand that sometimes the inside of something can be beautiful, even if the package isn't... well isn't oh great thanks well it's perfume perfumes perfumes so. it's cold <laughs> oh i have squished your mouth brush you must forgive me i'm a little whoopsie i don't know what you can be doing with this in your bed i like you matthew you're so much nicer than all the other queer boys. Sorry? The other boys who sing in the queer. Oh, it's them. Yeah. You have something special. Do you have any German in you? No. Do you want some? <laughs> oh, Matthew! I think one of us has made a trump! Here, let us cover the stink with some aftershame. Some for me. And some for two. Oh, oh no! Oh, get away from me! Oh. I know what you are. Get out! Absence of love is the most abject pain. Leave me alone. I will try. My second choice um, is the inside number nine uh, Christmas special called The Devil of Christmas. Now, Steve Pemberton and Rhys Shearsmith, Shearsmith sorry, um, they were part of the League of Gentlemen. They went off to form their own kind of act um and they made a program called psychoville that had two series and a halloween special um and then they moved on and they created this kind of tales of the unexpected so each episode is like a self-contained half an hour story um and their christmas special was it was something else um so it's reminiscent of an episode of dead of night which i'll, I'll go on to in a moment so it has these kind of shaky walls wonky cameras and it plays out with this uh voiceover of a director who's kind of ostensibly doing like an audio commentary so he's candidly discussing the actors and the performances and the framing you know the standard audio uh, commentary stuff until the final minute and it takes one of the darkest and most disturbing twists i've ever seen in modern television it's it's really daring it's horrific it's, it's perfect television if you like that sort of thing um i just i 
I know you haven't seen it and I really, I, it's one that I, I'd love to spoil, but I really don't want to spoil, but you absolutely should see that before Christmas as well. Um, not Christmas related, but I should also mention their Halloween special, which kind of broke the fourth wall with a, uh, a ghost watch style episode, which is excellent television. Um, it, it was really, really creepy, but it's the first time in ages that I, I applauded the TV. It's so good. They are so clever. They, they absolutely should do a film. If they did a horror film, it would be a must-see. Um, okay, so that's League of Gentlemen inside number nine. And then next, I'm going to look at um, Ghost Stories for Christmas, which I know you do know. Um, I do. I know that you're a, yeah. you're, you're a fan of those. And I know you also picked up the DVD recently. So um, I it didn't look like you'd unwrapped it the last photo I saw, but you know, I'll, you know, fair enough. I hadn't, I hadn't. I just, I just liked, I like the prestige of owning these things. I obviously will, but I'd seen them relatively recently. So I am sort of waiting to near a Christmas so I can crack it open. No, that's fair enough. I, I kind of, I, I went back to it in the run up to this. I'm not going to cover all of them, but I'll speak about my favorites. So, um, all of the episodes of the original run were uh, M.R. James adaptations, with the exception of The Signal Man, which is a Charles Dickens story, and uh, Stigma and the Ice House, which were uh, newer, I say newer, 1970s, uh, contemporary stories. One's written by Clive Sexton, who um, also wrote uh, a kind of comedy called the house in nightmare park which had frankie howard kind of aping hammer productions and the ice house was written by john bowen who also wrote robin redbreast which is a play for today which was also uh, a christmas uh show if you like um and he also adapted the treasure of albert thomas which is another ghost story for christmas um like i said the final two were both contemporary rather than period um, and the Ice House was the only episode of the original run not directed by Lawrence Gordon Clark. Um, I think that, thinking about it honestly, I think the present day setting with the final two w- was an interesting change, but I wonder whether they kind of saw it as the death knell for ghost stories for Christmas, especially considering that the Ice House isn't really even a ghost story. Um, my, I think my favourite overall is Oh Whistle and I'll Come to You. Um, it's not really officially a ghost story for Christmas because it broadcast before they were conceived. It was on the omnibus program. Um, but yeah, I think it's my most favorite overall. And you talk about the, the woman, the woman in black. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I think this is probably the most spine chilling thing I've ever watched. Certainly television show. Um, there's a scene with a ghostly apparition on the beach. Um, but, it's particularly the moment with the, and this is a spoiler, but it's from 1968, I think. So <laughs> by now, I'm sorry. Um, but there's a, there's a moment at, at the end where the bed sheets start to rise up and it genuinely makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Um, I think I find that scene more frightening than anything else I've seen. Like, you know, not that I find the exorcist particularly scary, but it's always held up as a, as a, one of the most terrifying films ever made. Um, and I don't, I don't find any of that stuff scary by comparison at all. It might be the lack of the music. You just get sound of crumpled sheets kind of twisting, Michael Horden moaning in fear. Um, you don't get that kind of any dramatic strings or percussion, any of that kind of stuff. And it feels kind of real and documentary-like. Um, and I think the silence with it is it's really, really unnerving. Um, you only kind of get the the 
the sound of the the wind or that kind of, there's there's no real music with it um it's what i know i've i've written this down and i'm going to murder this name it's what kia la janice calls brooding stillness uh, she wrote an essay on this um it, for ghost stories for christmas for a book that i own called yuletide terror and i really apologize for probably murdering that name um but it's it is utterly utterly fantastic and so if i watch if i was to watch it after after this i would i would get to that scene and the hairs on the back of my neck would stand up without fail every single time it is i i don't watch it that much because i don't want to kind of dilute that feeling it's just it's it's exceptional and and terrifying um another favorite of mine stalls of barchester which is the very first ghost story for christmas the official one which is broadcast on the uh, on christmas eve 1971 at 11 p.m and i i like to try and imagine what it must have been like settling down to watch it just before bed maybe being a little tipsy or whatever and feeling that kind of pang of excitement for the following day and just thinking well, i'll probably end up nodding off watching this and then the episode finishes and your fingers are still gripping the armchair and you, all of the sounds of the house that are normally don't normally don't bother you. The creaks and all that take on this terrifying feeling. Um, and you kind of, I, I, I can imagine just wondering whether I'd be able to get back to sleep, you know, or get to sleep that night. Um, what a feeling that must be to watch something like that for the first time. Um, and not having experience, I would imagine anything like that before. Um, the amazing thing though, is it's, it's made for less than 10 grand. Um, although it's not one of the most popular of the series, which I find kind of bizarre. I think it's most, one of the most creepily effective and that's probably due to the lack of budget. Um, I think the production team, the creatives would have had to employ, have to employ, you know, every technical and creative trick possible in order to, to make it work. Um, and, and it did, it did for me, made me believe that the, the kind of villain of the piece, Archdeacon Archdeacon Haynes, um, was, you know, quite literally a man haunted by his past. Um, as an example, I suppose, of necessary creative decisions that were forced upon them. And there's lots of very low lighting, um, often more than a candle. And it, it kind of gives away to these dark spaces around the outside, you know, of the frame. And who knows what could be lurking there. Um, so I, I particularly enjoyed that. And one I've come back to recently, having not been a fan before, is one of the um, more contemporary episodes called Stigma. And it was a bit of a revelation when I came back to it. It's incredibly downbeat. It's really disturbing and, and graphic for a ghost story for Christmas. It's probably one of, if not the least Christmassy in the st series. Um, but what I, what I think I find interesting is that despite not being an M.R. James adaptation, it still kind of concerns itself with this notion of leaving well enough alone about not prying, um, that things are there for reasons that you can't begin to contemplate because it's all based around this large rock that they're essentially trying to move. Um, and from that emanates a curse uh, and it all goes horribly wrong. I won't reveal any more. Um, but they're all kind of, all of the, I think all of these programs are, are very much warnings to the curious to, to kind of quote the M.R. James story, you know, like the public information films of the era and a lot of 1970s television. There seems to be like a preconception with people overstepping the mark as if like inquisitiveness, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1970s Britain. Um, I, 
I'm guessing in light of boundaries that were pushed in the 60s, um, they were kind of discouraged and any anything outside of that was, there were grave consequences, I think, for people who did overstep that. And the 70s television kind of did that. And they're, they're just my favourites today. I mean, it changes all the time. Signal Man, Always Dips In and Out, Lost Hearts, much the same. I mean, I if we had all night, I'd happily talk through them all. Um, but... Yeah, I suppose we should um, move on to the next one. Is there anything that you want to talk about with regards to ghost stories for Christmas, or am I just blethering? No, to, to be honest, you you did you hit the nail on the head um, when you said about that. You know, in, in a way, they could all be titled "A Warning to the Curious." Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I love them. Um, it's interesting what you said about stigma um, and and the Ice House, the more sort of contemporary ones, because they they are my least favourite of the bunch. But I know what you're saying about stigma. It's when I watched it, I thought, no, this isn't, it's not up to the standard and you can tell it's come a little bit later. Um, yep. You know, I, oh, I wish we could go back to the, the early seventies and the, and the stalls of Barchester, um, you know, lost hearts, wanted to the curious and, and so on. Um, but it sort of stayed with me afterwards though. And that's when I realized that maybe it was a little bit more sort of powerful, you know, it's all got under my skin um, after viewing it. And, and to be honest, the same thing happened with the, the original um, whistle on I come to you. Mm. I actually remember first watching that and um, finding it so fascinating that somebody like me, an absolute pea brain could be, and I'm <coughs> quoting you there, <laughs> a pea brain with, with just like, a complete douche who's just like I've got no I've got no class whatsoever watching this black and white sort of you know um, sort of short sort of ghost story and, and let's face it not a lot happens but I was fascinated when I was thinking I'm really enjoying this but as it got to the end uh, where the bedsheets are sort of rising up yep. and, and I remember initially thinking oh my god is that it I can't believe it I've been let down and that oh that's the end oh bollocks and, and the funny thing is then I think almost like uh, I do judge these things too soon because, again, I just found myself like sort of 10 minutes later thinking, it's almost like there's, a, there's another me inside me saying, hang on a minute, now that, when you really think about it, that's really effective and that's really smart. And I actually went back only 10 minutes later, press play, rewound it and watched that bit again and mm. suddenly found myself just thinking, that's brilliant, that's genius. It's very strange, almost like how my initial reaction was. Why I think almost like I've been programmed to want these big sort of one bam endings maybe mm. like maybe like maybe like the gore fest you know in the mid 80s maybe like you know like your dario argento um, movies or like you know like your demons like like lamberto barber where like there's always this big gore gross out like remember yeah. the end of the demons you know where yep, like yep, uh, yep. the girl turns into a demon at the end and then the kid just blows her away like and i think i think maybe i just got pre-programmed into just believing that you need a big rock and roll ending like it's just going to blow yeah. your face off and, and this one was just like oh it's very subtle and it's creepiness and i was like Really? But then I come back to it and thought, no, that's, that's it's, I thought it was superb. No, I mean, that's what being an 80s kid's like, though, isn't it? You kind of got overwhelmed almost. And then you come back and, and you, you watch them again in a different light later on. But I mean, the best programs, the best films for me, even if I'm not a huge fan the first time round, is I, they kind of just stick in your head and you yeah. kind of mull them over. You know, and you may come to a point where you go, actually, no, I didn't like it. But if they stick in your head, there's always something there. And I find that really fascinating. So, yeah, no, I think you make a very good point there. Um, 
my next and i am slowly getting to the end my next uh pick is and this is more of a a recent uh discovery simply because they weren't they, they never used to be available is um a program called dead of night um there were seven episodes made only three survive um you can pick them up on uh, there was a bfi release i think you can get them on amazon and oh, probably on youtube to be honest um now, The Exorcism was directed by Don Taylor, who also directed two episodes of Nigel Neal's Beast. I know you know who Nigel Neal is. Um, as an aside, Neal also wrote The Stone Tape, which was another Christmas broadcast um, in 1972, I think. I might have the year wrong for that. And allegedly, that was set to be um, episode eight, I think, of Dead of Night, but ended up being its own standalone thing. I watched this, I mean, I watched Stone Tape an age ago, and I haven't had time to rewatch it ahead of recording, which is a bit annoying because I would have liked to have spoken about that a little bit more. But I can definitely recommend it if you're a fan of these kind of really potently creepy british supernatural programs of the 70s um another quick point is that dead of night takes its name from the 1945 ealing studios portmanteau which also features a festive set segment called the christmas party um highly recommend going and watching that too um so the exorcism is it's basically it's set in a recently renovated cottage of a privileged couple who invite their friends for christmas dinner um essentially just to show off their new abode um and it's very much a socialist ghost story um which is like a number of the play for today episodes set around the time that concern themselves with not just um creepiness but something a little bit more than that um and it's it's played in real time um as the four characters are essentially made to face up to their privileged existence um, I, it's another one I can't reveal the end because it's 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 the 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 story's intensely and it get, kind of gets increasingly more unsettled, um, and it culminates you know in a really shocking moment. I, like I say, don't want to spoil it. It's one of those underseen programs. I think it's only just really began to register with genre fans. Um, but as an aside, it was popular popular sorry enough that it um was transferred to the stage um and then uh, there's a kind of dark tragic turn um the actress mary Ure, u-r-e so if i've pronounced that wrong i'm making a meal of all of them tonight so that's fine um she committed suicide just after the play opened in london um which is very odd she was also married to robert shaw which kind of links back to your jaws story from earlier oh. um i don't wish to make light of it but that's just an interesting link so make of that what you will very um very sinister end um so dead of night um stars anna cropper who's married to william roach who's ken barlow in coronation street whose son is linus roach who's recently starred in mandy which i did not like sorry um <laughs> She also starred in Robin Redbreast, which I mentioned, the play for today, Robin Redbreast, which is also <laughs> special of sorts, uh, written by John Bowen, who wrote The Ice House. Also has, features Clive Swift, who has the distinction of playing the same character, Dr. Black, in two ghost stories for Christmas episodes, Stalls of Barchester and A Warning to the Curious. He also plays, more famously, 
possibly, um, plays the put-upon Richard Bucket or Bouquet in Keeping Up Appearances, the BBC TV show from the 90s, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he, he also starred with Donald Pleasance in Death Line, which is called Raw Meat in the US, and Hitchcock's final great film, Frenzy, which I know you haven't seen and you do keep meaning to see. I remember, I I remember I having this conversation with you before. Um, also stars Sylvia Kay, who was in a film called Waking Fright with Donald Pleasance. Can you see how incestuous the horror genre is? I know. All this, there's all this link. And just to finish that off, Edward Petherbridge was in The Ash Tree Ghost Story for Christmas and was also in a, a, an adaptation of The Christmas Carol, probably the first ever fictional Christmas horror. Um, yeah, the final 10 minutes of this are absolutely chilling. Uh, my wife wasn't into it, so she went to bed. So I watched it alone. It was about midnight. And I was suitably disturbed enough to put all the lights on as soon as it finished. Um, as I mentioned before, I love US horror, but its effect on me pales in comparison to British horror, I think. Um, it's probably because I was born in the 70s and obviously being British just makes it feel perhaps more familiar to me frightening absolutely but kind of comforting too merry christmas everybody merry christmas. Now you try that for size edmund oh, cheers everyone cheers cheers What do you mean it's not white? Of course it's white. It's blood. What? What? It's blood, it is. It's blood. Don't be silly. It's blood! Taste it! And my last pick is a bit of a cheat. It's All Through the House, which is the opening segment of the 1972 UK version of Amicus's Tales from the Crypt. Um, stars Joan Collins, who kills her husband on Christmas Eve, intent on claiming his life insurance policy, only to discover that a homicidal maniac dressed as Santa is on the loose. And of course, he ends up outside the house. Um, Joan Collins' character, it's a really interesting setup because she's then stuck in a kind of catch-22. She tries to escape. Santa will probably kill her. If she calls the police, they'll discover she's murdered her husband. It's very silly. Um, typically outrageous 70s decor and fashions, but it is great fun. It's another Christmas perennial. Um, it was remade by Robert Zemeckis in 1989, I think, um, for an American version. Um, and it's fun and actually features a, a much better looking, not aesthetically pleasing, but just more sinister Santa. But I prefer the kind of kitschiness and British, blah, Britishness of um, the Freddie Francis version. So there you go. That is my top five i appreciate i have blethered on for quite some time so if you have your top five ready go at it well i do but i've just um i realized you so you said about um dead of night mm. and that would say 1977 um yeah no um yes because when yes no yes no when uh, when you were referring to that initially when you said dead of night i thought you were talking about the bob clark movie uh, no, 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 not at all. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, it's a good, yeah. good call. Well, he made he made that like Dead of Night. I've never seen yeah. it, but I know about it. I think it's, isn't it about like a a, um, a couple's son or something? It turns him from Vietnam and he's dead or something. But he comes uh, back yeah, alive. That, yeah, 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 yeah. That rings a bell. I haven't seen it either, but yeah, that, that storyline definitely rings a bell. 
Well, that, that's directed by Bob Clark, and that came out yeah. the same year as Black Christmas. Whoa. So there you go, there's another link. There's Look another Kevin Bacon it's, style. It's so everything. Even the it's names incestuous. are incestuous. This is outrageous. It is, it is. Um, um, that's fantastic, though. That's a, a good call, good call. Can I, can I assume that uh, you're talking about, because um, I, love, I love that um, uh, the Joan Collins Christmas yep. um, segment. The one you're referring to that, that um, Robert Zemeckis did, yep. is that the Tales from the Crypt one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, this, yeah this is it. Tales from the Crypt as well, but they did it in 1972. Yeah, yeah that's right. that, that original one. So that's, you know, that's a full film and that's just the first segment of it. Um, right. without you know not not one of the wraparounds but the actual first kind of proper segment um yes and then i believe the the whole thing was remade in 1989 um and it is very good i you know i'm not knocking it it's it's kind of different but the same but i don't know it just uh, it, it it's a bit slicker i think um yeah yeah and and just a little bit there's something a little bit more sinister about the 1972's version, even with all of the utterly absurd um, costuming and decor. And although Joan Collins, to be fair, does have her own hair in it, I think still then, I think. <laughs> well, probably. It's, it's <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, the, the leads in, in the, the later one was uh, Mary Ellen Trainer. That's it. Um, yeah, Miss, Mrs. Walsh from the Goonies. And, uh, oh, she's yeah. in Die Hard as well, isn't she? she? Yeah, yeah, she is. She was the uh, police psychiatrist in, I'm pretty That's sure it. she appeared in all four Lethal Weapon movies. That's right, sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, but she was married to him. She was married to Robert. Uh, is it Robert Zemeckis? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. Zemeckis. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's married to him. I'm sure of it for a long time. Um, I think, yeah, I presume, I, I think because she died a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she got, I think they got divorced. I think it was going for about 20 odd years though. That's so I, yeah, I remember looking her up when she died yeah. and thought, wow, she had a pretty varied career, but yeah, I love both of those Christmas episodes. I'm not sure which one, which one I like the best. I'll have to, I'll have to watch. No, you don't have to choose. It's fine. I'll, Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So, are you want my top five now? Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Well, I have to. I have to. I have to just try and like stay sort of loyal to my to my slasher roots. Mm -hmm. So I've I've gone for um four basically slashers and then one which isn't a slasher, which uh, it probably will be so obvious what my number one is. But whatever. Um, num number five, and it's actually one that you were talking about. I think on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. Um, Christmas Evil. Oh yes. From nineteen eighty. Oh yes. Now, what's, what I find interesting about this film is uh, it had a similar effect on me uh, as what I just explained about Whistle I'll Come To You, where I was expecting one kind of film. I was expecting uh, a Silent Night, Deadly Night style yep. um, slasher. Um, and it was more of a sort of a character study, uh, uh, a, guy's, a guy's sort of psychological breakdown. Um, a, a very sort of similar to um, Don't Go In The House from, I think, a year earlier. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't really think much of it, especially the end. I thought the ending was absolute bonkers, but in a really, I just thought, what is going on? Um, uh, but I watched it again and I felt again, sort of more, I sort of warmed to it and I thought, right, I get what they were trying to do with it. Um, and everything that you were you know, talking about on Twitter yesterday, um, I just thought, I, you know, I totally agreed with. It's, it's a very, it's a fascinating one. Um, it probably could have done with a bit more gore, uh, maybe a couple more kills. But the, uh, is it, somebody gets stabbed in the eye, don't they? Uh, yeah, the, the steps, at the, uh, is it the ch I don't know if it's a church. Yeah, at the bottom they, of the steps, he comes out and they all start kind of hassling him and he just goes for one. <laughs> 
And doesn't he? Doesn't he use a toy? Isn't it a Christmas toy or something? Oh, I can't, I, yeah, I can't. I can't I remember. Think it's a toy soldier with his with like a his sword yeah. or whatever. And yeah, yeah. Um, but that that was uh, I, yeah. I just find that one. It's the sort of thing that I think repeat viewings are necessary to yeah, yeah. what they were trying to do. I mean, it's. I mean, I I spoke to someone earlier about this and said that it's it's kind of a a bit ham fisted, but it it tries to takes a kind of a look at society and a look at um, the way we were starting to go in the eighties, this kind of goodwill to all was kind of starting to recede. Um, and and it, it kind of takes a look at that and tries to do something a bit, a bit more than just, you know, just a hack and slash film for want of a better phrase. Um, and it, it is, I think you're right. It is more of a drama um, and it is kind of like that the, you're just following a man having essentially a breakdown um, and seeing a lot of things that he doesn't like. And it's not quite puritanical. It's quite moral, but he he's edging ever that way as he sees the world around him, not kind of celebrating Christmas as he would like. Um, and I love, you know, I love the ending. I love the ending because you don't see it coming um and oh we're, we're gonna spoil it by the way um i love it because i just you expect him to get a cut you think he's well earlier on you think he's dead where his brother throttles him you think he's dead. <laughs> yeah and you think oh okay and i was like oh okay i remember for, watching it for the first time thinking oh that was a bit oh uh, i'm not yeah. you know what what's going to happen now they're just going to come and arrest them because you see slasher films where that kind of thing happens then they yeah. come and arrest the brother and it's all kind of downbeat but you're just like uh okay fair enough but then obviously he gets in the car and then he drives off and blah, blah 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 and then that moment at the end where you're fully expecting him to just sail off and down and then he just spins away into the night. I was just like, that is so daring to do something like that, that you just, you wouldn't get away with it now. It'd be like, no, he needs his comeuppance. He's murdered people. He's got to die. And, you know, and to be honest, it could be that actually that's how he envisions it in his head. And he does crash and it does burn and explode. And he, you know, he's, he's yeah. in fire or whatever. But from our point of view, if you don't read into it anything more than what you see <laughs> on the screen... He yeah. sounds off into the night, and he's Santa Claus. And I thought it was brilliant. I love yeah, that. It, it, I think I think it was, and again, yeah, like a little bit of black humor in there. And I think, yeah, it's it's like if you're just taking it at face value, then then like it's it's kind of sort of cynical that he he becomes he becomes our own version of Santa Claus, and yet we've just watched him murder people, yeah. which I yeah. thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you're right in that he 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 probably did just crush and burn, but in his own mind, he allowed himself yeah. to just the way right. to believe that he was just floating and there's one with the end of the grease as well like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Olivia, like, Olivia newton john waving it's, it's, i yeah. just wondered if he was going to look back and see all the t-birds and the pink lady <laughs> and, and then yeah. all of a sudden we're going to realize like what the fuck are we watching like, i know i know and there's some great bits with the kids in it as well the the little girl who snatches the knife and gives it to him and then when he's um speaking to someone about this earlier as well um when he is doing the little speech about if you're really bad, you'll get something really bad. It's words to that effect. And then he yeah. says, ho, ho, ho. And those kids standing there, the one on the end jumps out of her skin and it's not acting at all. Yeah, you can <laughs> tell that. It, she's yeah. utterly, and then she looks at her friends and starts to really giggle and it really makes me laugh. It's, 
it's completely out of keeping with the rest of the film. But I love that they kept that moment in, didn't cut it out. It's just, there's so, it's such a, a such a, a weird curio. It's such an odd film. And I just, I think it's, um, I think it should be universally loved by people who like horror films, like slashers, like Christmas films. It's just, it has a bit of something for everyone and it is downbeat in part. Um, but, that ending wow <laughs> just anyway to, sorry to, yeah 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 no he's just he's trying to it, it's like you said about the the goodwill it's like mm. uh, he just he, he was just like i'm trying to bring a bit of christmas chair but you know what I, it's just breaking me yeah. and I, I just can't do it anymore and it's just ironic that he's wearing um yeah. you know a santa outfit he's supposed to be the guy bringing yeah. joy to 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 one and all you know but he just goes goes mental starts killing people yeah. it's like i can't do it i'm not keeping yeah. up this facade i'm no. mental and i just want to yeah. show everybody but when he puts on the 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 beard and he's pulling at it and he can't get it off and he starts laughing he's like <laughs> that's where he obviously goes that's the moment he, he really tips over but it's also the point that he he actually thinks that he's santa claus he starts to believe in who he is and then he yeah. goes off you know he delivers all of the toys to the the um it's like a hospital orphanage kind of place. I, I forget what it is. Um, I do know John Waters. Do you know the director, John Waters? He yeah. loves it. It's one of his absolute... He says it's the greatest Christmas film ever made. Ever made. Ever made. I read that somewhere, yeah. yeah. He thinks that the... I forget what the main character's name is, but he thinks it's a film about um, cross-dressing or transvestitism or something like that I, f I forget what which is kind of a bit like hang on that's that doesn't quite work but yeah he he absolutely adores it um and i think that's a great thing I told you he'd be happy that we remembered him. This Christmas, Santa's <laughs> going to make everyone happy. The grown-ups. And the kids. Christmas evil. The non-believers. Watch out! And the screamers. And this Christmas, you better believe in Santa, or he'll slay you. Merry Christmas, Frank. Christmas Evil, the night he dropped in. Anyway, sorry, go on, carry on. We've, we've, we've gone off on one. Oh, okay. Uh, number four is one that I had only been introduced to earlier on this year. I've known about it for years. It's on my list as one of those slashes. I'm just so desperate to see, and it was just so annoying. I couldn't get hold of a copy. It's called Don't Open Till Christmas from 1984. Yep. It is absolutely... Did you get a chance to see it or not? I didn't. I didn't. I, I have been working oh. my way through a ton of christmas films um 
I even caught up with one, uh, a short that I'll, I'll talk about a bit later. Um, but I didn't, it's, that's one of the ones I didn't get quite around to seeing, which I'm really annoyed about. Um, so I will not butt in this time. I'll let you talk this one through. Well, I, I can't wait for you to see it because I just, I'd be very surprised if you don't love it. It is so um, quintessentially British, it, it just in the way everybody talks, the dialogue, the fashion. Um, but it's, it's essentially the best way to describe it. It's Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. Oh, but yeah, like it. At, at Christmas time in England because it's absolutely batshit insane. It doesn't really make a lick of sense. And I'll tell you something, the kill count, I'm going to have to go back. Maybe I'm just getting a bit excited here, but I'm sure it's get not, it's not 22. I think it's 22 kills in, in Friday five. I don't think it's as high as 22, but it felt yeah. like, it felt like getting close to those numbers. I just remember thinking every time somebody dies, I'm like, okay, there'll be a bit of a cool off period now. Then no, whack you'll get as well. Whack you'll get as well. This Santa is absolutely uh, atrocious. He just loves, <laughs> he just loves knocking people off. <laughs> loves a bit of clarity. <laughs> It's, it's, it's just it's superb and the deaths um, I, I'd be very surprised if um, any slasher filmmakers certainly from like late 80s uh, mm. or anybody who went on to make anything in the 90s or anything like you know, incredibly cynical with gore, gory creative deaths um, didn't say that they were partially inspired by Don't Up Till Christmas which obviously is, is all that's doing is just sort of carrying on the gauntlet from things like you know the burning and the prowler with your you know gory creative um death scenes yep. i i, I yep. got a feeling the director just thought right how can i go even more you know off the wall with this and, and just as people like getting set on, on fire and, and it's just it's absolutely say so I, I won't say too much because obviously yeah, i want you to to watch i won't even like even attempt to ruin the ending um because it's one of those ones with a little bit of a twist um you've also okay. got to try and okay. figure out who the santa is blah 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 yep. but there is one scene in it which i just know that you will just love. Um, uh, there's a guy, one of the leads. He he's with um, a lady who's he's just he's just taken part in a photo shoot with her or something. I can't quite remember, but um, she is dressed like Santa and she's trying to snog him on the doorstep. And he notices a couple of bobbies walking down the street. Um, for the American listeners, or all, all, all one or two of them, <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're policemen. They're policemen. And the funny thing is, and again, it comes across as just so. Whenever I watch um, British movies, for some reason, I find, certainly once from the 70s and 80s, everybody sounds even more English than, than what they do like now. Oh, really he, clipped accents. Oh, it's just like, so yeah. funny. And he just goes, and he sort of pushes her away because she's trying to snog him. Because she's just a Santa, he's worried that he'll look a bit gay. So what <laughs> he does is he goes, he sees, he spies these coppers, and he just sort of pushes her away and goes, hang on a minute, stop that. They'll think we're a couple of queers. And it's just oh. the way he says it. I'm abs- I was absolutely in bits. They're what year is it? Sorry, 1984. All right, okay. They they think we're a couple of queers. Oh. Just oh, it's just one of those ones that those little samples of dialogue that you'll just hear over and over and over again, and you'll be like trying to go to sleep, and you'll, it'll just pop into your head, and you'll just be cracking up thinking, oh dear, oh, oh dear. queer. The day when they used to use the word queer. Oh, oh dear. So yeah, it, it's just yeah, it was um, it's just a hilarious moment. He's he's obviously clearly. Um, very, he's a raging homophobe, which I just thought was just like steady on, mate. But you know, maybe that's the eighties for you. Well, there um, you go. Yeah. yeah, we'll leave we'll leave that one there because you can watch it then. And then, okay, you know, cool, thank you. Up the enjoyment. Um, okay, so then number three, I just thought it just makes sense to have the, you know, the American counterpart 
and the, the, obviously the, the, the well-known Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, obviously from the same year, 1984. And yep. I just wonder whether they were aware of, you know, the productions, because uh, I presume they were probably released around about the same time. Um, but it, to my knowledge, Don't Open Till Christmas didn't uh, attract anywhere near the same kind of, sort of mm. negative media attention that Silent yeah. Night, Deadly Night did, which, which obviously caused mass hysteria in the US among, you know, the parents and who just felt that it was absolutely terrible that they were trying to, you know, depict Santa as, as a, a murderer, you know, with the, the artwork being him um, slipping down a chimney with an axe yeah. in his hand. And they used to you know, rally outside the cinemas and stuff saying, you know, Santa is not evil, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, it had been done to... with Christmas Evil, for example, where you've got all right, yeah. the kill count's not as high, but yeah, it's happened. Before. It's not new, and I wonder why that film got um, the ire it did. It, you know, when if you're comparing to, I, I guess, don't open till Christmas. Perhaps didn't get a, didn't open over there at all. I don't know whether I it doubt it. Yeah, um, but no, that's I, I always find that a really interesting one because it's not hugely high in body count i don't think until later in the film um there's the opening scene with the parents i remember that um but i haven't seen it for quite a while there isn't there isn't anything there's not a lot kind of happens in the middle is there in the growing up section where the boys uh goes to the orphanage um and i know the nun is really pretty evil um but it's not until it comes back to him as an adult, doesn't it? When he's working in the shop. Is that right? Yeah. There isn't anything. Right. Yeah. 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 He, um, he basically starts working at this shop and I think yeah. they make him dress up as Santa. That's and, right. And yeah. obviously then all the memories come flooding back and then, yeah. you know, he starts yeah. um, reading that, you know, classic catchphrase like naughty and punish, yeah. you know, yeah. and everybody does something bad, you know, when, um, it, yeah, it's, it, it shouldn't really have been picked upon, but I, I can only imagine that because wasn't it the 1984 the the BBC they had that record the recordings act or whatever where yep. they they started cracking down on on the the videotapes and stuff the video nasties or whatever um, and maybe it just like the media got hold of it in America and just thought oh I tell you what that's something to focus on the news story so maybe they just started. Um, putting a bit of a negative spin on it and obviously you know people watching it on television just thought oh my god i'm outraged by this now i'm just gonna go out and just i've got a massive problem with horror films especially ones depicting santa as a killer when there'd probably been like two or three previously yeah, so, yeah. yeah it was a it was a, a unfortunate victim there and i think i remember i think i was listening to um the hysteria continues podcast uh was it earlier or yesterday mm. um i'm sure they mentioned somebody somebody somewhere mentioned that it opened the same time around about the same time as nightmare on elm street and i'm sure somebody said that it was taking more money than nightmare on elm street i don't know if that's true or not that's whether i'm just interesting whether i'm just yeah. imagining it yeah. um yeah so that that i mean to, to me it's a it's a bit of a classic um i, I love it it's one of my favorite slashes i, I would say you know if it, it, it didn't you know have like four four sequels i think i had four sequels oh uh, yeah yeah four or five yeah definitely garbage day yeah, yeah. Oh, like God. yeah. um yeah. if they if they if they if it was a standalone slasher it, it would probably have made my top 10 um easily i would say um but yeah it was it was a, it was a really good effort uh, I, I really did like the inventive kills linear quickly yep. shows up um yeah. yes. on antlers oh yes and then thrown out the window <laughs> yeah uh, she loves dying Basically. she does she she does on camera she's she's ace at that i'll give her that um yeah no that's a, that's a good one actually um i haven't seen it probably for about a year 
I think I watched it last Christmas and then I thought, it's one of those that I thought I'd probably get around at some point this month. Whether I will or not, I don't know. Um, uh, but before then, I hadn't seen it for quite a long time. I'd seen a really bad VHS of it, I think, before. So it was nice to see a nice cleaned up version of it um, and an uncut version, unless there isn't. It's, it is uncut now, isn't it? I don't think there's anything missing. Yeah, it's um, uncut now. I mean, I, I'm trying to The opening to scene was cut quite a bit before, as I recall. Yeah, I mean, Scream Factory released it, and I, I can't remember whether it's actually got. I don't think it, it's got a release in this country. I think it, I think it was released by Arrow on DVD. Arrow did, yeah, yeah, they definitely did the but DVD. Not, not on um, because Arrow yeah. did Christmas Evil as well. Because that's, that's right. how I thought. Because a friend yeah. of mine's got it, but yeah. I had to get the Region One Anchor Bay, uh, but the, the double, the double feature with Silent yeah. Night, Deadly Night Part Two. All right, okay, that's, yeah. That's how I saw those two. Um, but yeah, yeah, they were uncut back then, and yeah, they're still. Oh, okay, fine. I think yeah, I know it was cut for a while, as I recall, because I remember something about the opening scene being shredded. But um, no, you're right. Um, Screen Factory released it last year, and they released it with a a kind of a toy. Yeah, a doll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Vinegar Syndrome released um, Christmas Evil with really. I, I posted the artwork from it actually on Twitter. Um, oh, nice. yesterday i really like the artwork for christmas eve or the vinegar syndrome one no really good choice excellent next okay um obviously now we're getting down to the the top two so i think they're probably quite obvious um black christmas is number two i know you're probably Ooh. thinking of my number one even though i watch it every single christmas yeah um and in terms of like sort of slasher movies or whatever um if you are counting prior to slashers anything before halloween yeah um i i'd be happy to say it's it's on a par with halloween in many ways yep um, and it's like a, an official prequel yep i i there is not anything i can say that's negative about that film that i can think of it's just no. it's perfectly executed it is still very creepy the billy ca- character is unhinged um, there's not an awful lot we can say to be honest that hasn't been said before and I know it's a lot of people's favourites so I don't want to ruin it I'll, I'll let you do that um, but it's um, yeah it's an exceptional film and I must have had about seven different copies of it and I will watch it no doubt just before Christmas oh and Margot Kidder rules she does she does and she is absolutely hilarious in yeah, it I mean some of the, I mean what I want to know I mean what what coming to uh you know the, the script writer's minds when i oh know bob clark directed it did he write yeah. it you wrote it as well uh, didn't he? i think so i'd have to look that up I'm, yeah I, I think so i just because... wonder if anybody else had a hand in the dialogue because of the stuff that she margot kidder comes out with they're probably a lot of ad-libbing i'm i'm almost i'm gonna probably get this completely wrong but i'm almost certain he wrote it because of the whole john carpenter story where john carpenter asked him what he would do if he made a sequel and he said that i would um set it on halloween or call it halloween or something along those lines and that you know the um apocryphal story goes that that's where he he got the idea for Halloween from, but I'm not sure I believe that. But yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm almost certain that he wrote it or at least had a hand in the story. Oh, it's annoying me that I don't know for certain. Oh well, okay. I've got it here. Roy Moore, a guy called Roy Moore wrote the screenplay. So I'd say you're oh, right. right. Okay. I reckon Bob Clark had fleshed out the story and probably just got Roy Moore to just like yeah, yeah, on it. yeah. That 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 does ring a bell. So yeah, no, fair enough. But it's um what I love about it is it takes the um 
the, the whole phone calls are coming from inside the house scenario that was played out so brilliantly um, in the beginning of, um, oh, what's it called? Oh my God, Stranger, When a Stranger Calls? When a Stranger I know Calls, when, yeah. I know When a Stranger Calls come, come later, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people I've spoken to, for some, some reason, saw When a Stranger Calls first. So when they see Black Christmas, they think Black Christmas copied it, but obviously it was, it was vice versa. But um, even though When a Stranger Calls probably couldn't attempt to um, better what Black Christmas had done, I do prefer how it was handled in Black Christmas um, with the, the whole of course come inside the house thing. Maybe because um, I liked Olivia Hussey better than Carol Kane as a, as a sort of, okay. sort of yep. final girl, possibly. So yep. you feel more in, oh my God, you know, she's in danger and I'm so scared for her. I don't know. I'd have to watch One of Stranger Calls again. I've just ordered that mm. new and that new set that's just coming out. Oh, yeah, out. yeah, yeah. That's coming out um, just before Christmas, right? Yeah, 17th yeah. of December, I think. Yeah. So I've ordered that because that looks superb. Yeah. Um, but um, obviously with Black Christmas, you've got John Saxon in there as well. I mean, you can't... You, what, what can you say about John Saxon? He's just super Magnificent man that um, he is. But yeah, like you said, everything about it, it's one of those ones I could just watch all the way through. Um, the opening is superb. There's, ne- there's never really a lull in the middle. I think the, the murders are nicely spaced out. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending is so... I love the fact that it's so downbeat. Yeah. I just love it. It just and it's it is so unsettling and creepy. Um, it'll never. It will always be one of my favourites. Where where I think it's stronger actually than a than a lot of slashers that came after. I'm not going to go down there. Is it proto slasher, whatever? But um, films of that ilk that came after is that aside from Halloween and a, a handful of others is that the characters are fully fleshed out and you care about them and yeah. they talk like real people. Um, so we talk about um, the Bob character and how kind of, um, I'm going to use this word spunky she is. Um, hey. <laughs> um, and she, and she is that kind of character and, and um uh, Anna Hussey's character is is going through a, a different kind of tribulation that isn't actually this is just another thing because she's there's the whole um, uh, oh, what's it called abortion yeah. um, side story you know there's a they're, they're actually kind of fully rounded characters and not fodder which is yeah. um, and that's great in itself in certain slashes because you want the fodder. You're just like, you know, a lot of people, slasher fans particularly as well, you'll know a lot of it is, it's all about the kills. Are the kills any good? I love the kills. And I get that. And, and you, you know, you pay your money. That's what you want to see. Um, but the characters tend to be kind of fodder for that. You know, what's going to happen. You can, you know, the setups there for each and every character, you know, that there's the kind of, um, there's the couple that have sex and there's the, you know, there's, there's all and the nerdy guy and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. And I totally get that. And I love that. But this is like, feels more kind of real in the same way that Halloween felt real and the characters felt real and you cared about them and you, you kind of wanted them to get out of their, the situation that they're in. And so it actually is kind of, as well as being a really good, dark, scary film, it's, there is a kind of emotional attachment that you have. Like when Barb dies, I was like, Oh man, I didn't want to. Yeah. I really like that character. You know, it's that kind of thing. And otherwise you'd be going, yeah, look, look at, you know, look at the way that I was it a unicorn or something. She gets stabbed. Well, I can't even remember. Yeah. Like a, a, gla- a, a glass, like a glass unicorn. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like an ornament, and, wasn't yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, and you're like, 
you know, you, usually you'd probably be like, oh, is that a good kill? Is that a bad kill? But you never hear anyone say, oh, I like her death scene. That's awesome or whatever. They're like, oh, I, it's just, I really like the It's tragic, yeah. yeah. And, you, and, and you do, you don't even think about the way she was killed. It's never, meant, never mentioned in conversation. It's always like, if you talk about her, you're like, Margot Kid is great in that. I love that character. She's brilliant, I, you know, and that's it. And, and I wish she hadn't died, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Um, and I find that that's a really interesting thing about, black christmas um but you know i'll i'll happily sit on both sides of the fence i'm not fussed at you know really strong well-built characters are fantastic and i love films that i can really invest in those um you know more recent films like train to busan which is just going off on a tangent a bit the characters were so well-rounded and so well thought out and such real people and you really emotionally were troubled when they were in pain or when they were dying and stuff. And I was in tears by the end of it. I, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say, um, <laughs> but you know, the flip side is sometimes you just want to watch the bodies piling up. And I imagine don't open till Christmas, for example, is exactly that type of film. Oh yeah. It's, it, it is pure trash, but in the best possible way. <laughs> and that's fine. And I'm all for in it. the best possible way. I can't, I can't see anybody saying that they don't like that movie. Yeah. Um, what you were saying, interesting to say, because um, the characters in Black Christmas were well-rounded, and, and they did come across as like, even though they, you know, it's a Swaraj house, they're quite grown up. Um, now, I always find it fascinating that, that John Carpenter said that the whole sex equals death thing was, was an accident. It was, it was yeah. the fact that um, in Halloween, um, Jamie Lee Curtis survives because she was just paying more attention. It wasn't really, even though it was clearly emphasised the fact that she was sexually inexperienced, yeah. um, it was sort of an accident. But yet that was a, a classic trope that, that everybody else took and ran with, you know, like yeah. um, uh, it, Alice in, in Friday the 13th, you know, had a romantic interest, but then he ended up with like arrows all through his body yeah. and through his yeah. eyes and face and stuff. Um, but what it was interesting about, about that is obviously that carried on and became so well. And then, oh, the virgin, the final girl, she always escaped the killer because she didn't have sex. And yet Olivia Hussey in Black Christmas, like four years prior to Halloween, was having an abortion. So she clearly, you know, was, was um, sexually active. Yeah. Um, and yet she still had the, the skill and sort of cunning to sort of like evade the, the killer, which, well, obviously, we, well, we think she did because obviously we do the ending. Who knows what, yeah, what was Yeah, that's true. You know, had they ever make a sequel to it, you never know know what would have happened yeah. but i just think that's um yeah that, that's an interesting point i, I think i think you're right that, that before um uh, sorry after halloween that was when the tropes the the pieces of the the jigsaw that became the slasher film kind of fell into place before yeah. then there wasn't there weren't rules and in fact they shouldn't really be rules that you know certain rules because then you know what film it is but i don't think i'm never against kind of throwing that rule book out and doing something different but they 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 weren't there then i mean even um uh jamie lee curtis character in uh, halloween i don't know why laurie strode i don't know why i can't remember laurie strode oh <laughs> right even laurie strode she's not you get the feeling she's not not sexually active because she doesn't want to be it's just that she's not in a position to be you know yeah. like she likes Ben Tramer, but she's, you know, she's always babysitting. She's always doing something else or always has something she needs to be doing. Um, you know, with her dad asking her to drop off some keys, whatever it is, she's always got to do a chore or, or something. Um, yeah, it's, um, I like the, the 
I no, it sounds like I don't like slashers if I say that. Of course I do. I, I but the days before before the rules were set, um, I find really interesting. It's interesting to go back and look at those films before the rules were set and and they're not lesser films for it. In fact, in, in many cases they're they're more. I mean I three of my favourite slasher slash proto slashers, Halloween absolutely, Black Christmas absolutely, Alice Sweet Alice as well. They're just they're just there's something more going on. I like to go away and and you know kind of leave my brain at the door, which isn't meaning to do a disservice to slashers, but I like to be able to do that and just go and watch like I've said already, the body count piling up, but sometimes it's just interesting to watch these films and see like quite a high body count, but at the same time there's just there's a really there's a broader story, a bigger story going on underneath. And it's just, it's fascinating to see how those, those all came together. And then, you know, what happened after where they decided to kind of eschew that and go down the, you know, the, the, the straighter route from one, from A to Z, from A to death. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it like, enabled them sort of a creative freedom to, to do whatever they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the later slashes did kind of, uh, for, uh, pigeonhole themselves in a sense where they were like, well, this is this is the final girl. She's going to be a virgin, and this is yeah. the this is the, the the rules and and the this is how it's going to go, sort of thing from now on. And so they, in a way, they sort of um, put the handcuffs on themselves and restricted their ability to sort of navigate you know, the movie in the direction that they may have wanted to go because they think they've got to, you know, adhere to these rules. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I sort of agree with you in a way. Yeah, like Black Christmas is one of my, fa- well, I'll say it's one of my all-time favourites. So, yeah, yeah I, do, I do think it's... I uh, knew we'd segue into sl- talking about slasher films, though. It was bound to well, happen. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> we're about to move away because we're heading to my number one. Let's do it. And it's The Woman in Black. It is no. The Woman in Black. No. Yeah. And how and how strange it's not a slasher and it's nope. not even technically not even a film film it's a TV film and it's the scariest film I've ever seen to this day nothing comes close to Woman in Black for me. I have an issue with Woman in the Woman. I can't, why can I not say the, the woman, women, women <laughs> in black, the no, woman in black. I have an issue with the woman in black. And you've made me wait for this as well. Right, sorry. You watched it um, a week ago. Yeah, it's not the film itself actually it's got nothing to do with the film itself but the the scene the scene that great terrifying moment on the bed yeah they show that on the vhs cover yeah it's like the big the big terrifying moment you buy that vhs having never seen the film before right okay i'm going back a few. obviously you buy that and you already know the scariest part of the film yeah um and I knew that moment was coming because I knew what the cover was like. So I thought at some point she's going to leer over someone somewhere like that. And it, and it's still, I'm not joking. Seriously. It was still scary. I still went, Oh, but yeah. it wasn't, it didn't have the same effect. I'm like, what, a, you know, honestly talk about, yeah, the money shot, but yeah. well, it's your fault for leaving it so bloody long to watch it. That, that's that's actually, that that's cover, true. the video, is the reissue as well. When it, was, mm. when it first um, came out on video a year after it was first broadcast yeah. on TV in 89, it came out on video in 1990. It was exclusive to WH Smith. Um, and that just used a fairly, you know, simple um, cover of just her stood in the graveyard, yeah. which is creepy yeah. enough. But yeah. yeah, it doesn't give anything away. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of video um, 
covers that did that where they just sort of show you a part of the film and you're like why have you and it, they normally were reissues as well it's almost like you knew that they just couldn't be bothered to make an effort and just thought there you go have that it just so happened to be the the one yeah. bit that gave away um but no i'm i'm, I'm, I'm obviously glad you saw it and, and you and you thought that it was that it was decent i i think um it, for me it's it sort of did come around about a time where at christmas um i would be sat there innocently reading my viz annuals Mm-hmm. Um, and we maybe don't explain Who innocently are, reads Viz? Yeah, when I was like, I remember every year I got a Viz annual from my granddad and I'd sit there <laughs> and I would be Love reading it. this Viz annual and everybody else is pissed off the bed and BBC, uh, the ghost stories for Christmas had come on and I'm like thinking, what the hell is this? This is scary, this is scary shit. Oh my God, this is scary. And it, it all ties in with the woman in black. It's just got that creepy sort of period piece British it's just the way that we do drama. I mean, obviously, you know, I love it, like American horror movies and slashes mm-hmm. and whatever, but the way we do ghost stories, like you, it, no one does it better than us. I, I, agree. I, don't, yeah. I just don't think so. Say so you can't, yeah, maybe it's because we live in, so we, we're familiar with the surroundings and so on, but it, it just, yeah, it, that, it, that got me in the same way that the ghost stories for Christmas did. Um, and there's so many moments that, that just send a chill down my spine. But it, I think it just comes down to, you know, everybody has fears. You know, some people are scared of spiders. Some people are scared of snakes or whatever. Yeah. And they always say, psychologists always say, you know, you can rid yourself of these fears. It's something that happens when you're young that just embeds itself deep into your psyche or whatever. And that's it. You see a spider. Oh my God. You know, you are just so frozen in fear. Well, yeah. for me, it just happened to be the woman in black, any type of scary creature ghostly women um the blacker they are as in the hot the whole outfit's black like the woman in yeah. black that yeah. makes it even even worse for me um definitely ghostly horrible faces long black hair so that's why like the grudge and the ring are really yeah. really creepy to me as well it's just it's just my button it's my fear button it's my fear button you the woman in black all you got to do is just be on screen in the background you don't have to be doing anything and i am just i'm just a mess um so naturally you can imagine in the moments that you do Think about when she does appear in the film, just in the background, the first time he goes across the causeway after the funeral. Yep. And he knows he's over the causeway now, so he knows there's going to be nobody else in that house. He just stumbles over to the, sort of the little mini graveyard section and gets the hairs on the back of his neck and sort of slaps the back of his neck because he realises something's there. And he turns around and she's standing there. And he's clearly thinking, how the hell has she got there? So he realises that something is you know, not quite right all of those moments I can watch the movie 10 times over and it still gets me every single time.
It's um, it is. I'm I'm not going to knock it. So it is a great film. It's a it's going to be a Christmas perennial of mine. I don't know why I waited so long. As a, as a fan of Ghost Stories for Christmas, I've no idea why I waited so long to watch it. But if I can guide you to another thing, you should, another thing, another series, a series, not another series, that you should watch, um, I think you might like The Haunting of Hill House because there's a lot of that ghosts in the background thing going on. And it's really creepy. It is a bit of an investment in time. And I know that it's, it's 10 episodes. But if you haven't, I don't think you've seen it, have you? I haven't yet, no, but it is on my list because I've seen no, a few but, clips. But I would. There are, there are definitely, I, when I was watching The Woman in Black, I was like, there are parallels with The Haunting of Hill House. Just the way they, they just kind of very subtly stand The Woman in Black in the in the distance and then you may or may not see her and the camera moves then moves back and she's gone they do the same kind of thing a lot in the haunting of your house and i think and i i just saw those parallels and i just thought that's really that's quite fascinating i think that would be something that you might pick up on as well it's it's just i i don't want to kind of move away from talking about the woman in black but i i would um definitely recommend that to you i'd, I'd really be interested to hear your thoughts on that if you ever get around to watching it um but the uh yeah the woman in black like i say absolutely certainly will become a perennial watch of mine it's um it is very it, even though it's a period piece it is very of the time it it's made it's um it's definitely you know they didn't have a, an awful lot in in terms of budget if you compare it to the daniel radcliffe version but there is a link between the two because the guy who played um oh, what's the character's name actually same character daniel radcliffe played arthur kidd uh, arthur kidd the guy who played arthur kidd also played james potter who's the dad of harry potter in the harry potter films so there's a link between daniel radcliffe adrian adrian rawlins uh yeah i think that's his name yeah so there you go there's a a really useless uh, quiz question answer. well he uh, he appears you know they made a sequel to the daniel radcliffe version uh, the woman uh, Black, oh, angel, angel of death. death yeah a couple of years later adrian rawlins appears in that as well which they clearly brought him in as a little nod to uh, see i didn't know that okay tv uh, film yeah yeah um oh, so you already knew that i don't feel this cool now for a moment well, I do. i'm just a nerd for the woman in black uh, have you you obviously you've never read the book then or obviously you've seen the stage show or anything no i haven't seen i knew of the stage show before i knew of the um the version that you love the 1989 version yeah um, and and it was always talked about as one of the most terrifying stage shows ever but then and, and i thought and it was on for quite a is it still, it might be still running. It runs every year. It's still, it's one yeah. of the longest, it's the second longest running in the West End or something like that. Oh, after, after the mousetrap. Mouse mouse yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 I thought, I thought it was. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was really tempted to go and see it. And then ghost stories appeared. Um, and people were talking about that as the, the station. Oh my God. It's so terrifying. So terrifying. <laughs> and I watched ghost stories and I was like really underwhelmed. And I thought, I'm not sure if I'm that bothered about watching The Woman in Black. And uh, I, so it's just something I've never, I wanted to see, you know, in a kind of roundabout way and never got round to. And then 
yeah, ghost stories just made me think, oh, is it worth, is it worth the money? Is it just going to be like, oh, it's not actually that impressive after all. And I didn't really know the story. I had sort of, I had seen the Daniel Radcliffe one, but I hadn't really paid attention to it, to be honest. I don't know why, why that is because it, it should be right up my street, but actually the 1989 version, what I really want to say is that is easily, that's the, the definitive version. Definitely. I completely agree. It is. It is perfect. And it, it fits alongside, it, it's actually a nice kind of um, bridge between the ghost stories for Christmas, and the 1970s versions and the 2000s versions when they, when they brought them back briefly. So it's a nice bridge between the two. So yeah, perfect. Well, I've seen the stage show twice. It's definitely worth seeing. I saw it like 2001. I saw it again last year. Okay. And it's quite, quite interesting seeing how they've yep. just sort of slightly changed it over like the 17-year gap or 16-year gap or whatever. Yep. Um, and, and the book is superb. It, the book has a different ending. And you know that for, it was for budgetary reasons probably why they didn't shoot uh, this particular ending, but it's great yep. to have a different ending because then when I read the book, I was like, oh my God. And it, that's excellent. It would have been probably just as good um, if you saw it on screen, but I do think I love the ending of, of, of you know, the TV version. Yep. Um, when you're talking about ghost stories, that is the one that was made into a film, yeah, last year? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the link, you know the link to The Woman of Black, the TV series, a uh, TV show and ghost stories. You can uh, impress me now, if you wish. Andy Nyman. Oh, of course. Yeah, bloody hell. Yeah, yes, of course. He's in. Yeah, he's in The Woman in Black. Yeah, yeah. I did think of that at the time when I was watching it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Him and Stephen, I think Stephen McIntosh. That's him. Out a very, very successful career. Yeah, he has indeed. Yeah. They play the two little sort of troublemakers. Yeah, Andy Nyman looks so young in that because he's all kind of grey now, isn't he? Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Of course, of course. Yeah, good spot. Good spot. He did pop up on Twitter recently and spoke about it as well and, it was, yep. and spoke very fondly of it. And I thought it was very cool that he yeah. sort of jumped into this conversation. But yeah. wasn't he the writer-director of, of Ghost Stories as well, as well as being in it? Yes, yeah. It's, that, I found that so disappointing because I really, really, really wanted to love it. To and I thought, it, yeah. oh, it could be a, an extension to Ghost Stories for Christmas, just a, you know, another contemporary version or whatever. And I just, yeah. I, I will watch it again, but I just, oh, I just felt a bit like, uh, a bit well I'll, I'll go in with low expectations then because i've yeah, I seen yeah. it. i was going to go watch it at a cinema and then i did read a few um sort of unfavorable reviews yeah. the reviews don't normally put me off but it no no who, no. I, who I sort of trust yeah i, I it's a it's a weird one because i'd never go in to watch any film wanting to hate it because otherwise what's you know what's the point of that but and i didn't hate it that's that's wrong i don't think i really hate any film but i just Oh, I was so disappointed. I just felt, yeah, just underwhelmed, really underwhelmed. It was, it had moments, absolutely had moments. I think it probably works better as a stage play um, than a film. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know whether it's changed much from the, from the stage, but yeah, just, just, um, yeah. It, it didn't really work for me, unfortunately. Um, and also, it's not a Christmas film, so we've we've moved off again. Whoops! Oh yeah, we did. I realise that. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Um, oh, I suppose it links back to the woman in black, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, so we can do this if you want. I know we spoke about this before. I have a uh, a program, if you like, um, just to finish off. Oh, was there anything? Sorry, was there anything more you wanted to say about the woman in black, or is that your number one? bang 
Number one bang, just obviously the ending is also one of the greatest endings, or probably the greatest ending of any horror movie ever. The end. Wow. Because wow. that scene, that shot terrifies me. And nothing, as, as much as I love Black Christmas and, and Halloween and The Thing, nothing terrifies me like that very final, well, not saying the very final shot, but you know, I'm talking about the bit where he sees her on the lake. Yep. I don't want to ruin too much for those who haven't seen it, but that yep. bit there, and where she is and how she's there and why it's she's there, yeah. it kills me every bloody time. Yeah. No, so, it's, a, it's, it, it is a, it's a great shot. Um, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of the film The Innocence, where they see the woman, but she's not on the lake. She's kind of just standing in the, in the long grass in the distance. Oh, I need to just, see that then, yeah, there's definitely There's definitely a little... I, I don't know if it's a purposeful parallel, bearing in mind that she's standing on the lake and isn't quite... But there's just that kind of stock still figure just watching i um oh. yeah i always find that that's yeah eminently creepy i love that kind of thing um, yeah. yeah well worth watching as well absolutely cool yeah um yeah so um wow greatest ending of all time um is that of all time in any film yeah well because just because it scares me the way i see it horror movies are, you know i mean okay horror it's supposed to like horrify you but yep. generally the whole point is to, to be scared isn't it and yeah. and i'm 37 now nothing really scares me but that is one that every time i watch it it still just gives gives me the creeps as much as i love the end of halloween where michael myers is gone and it's superb it, it, i don't think about it when i get a bed and think oh michael myers you know no, but no, no. woman in yeah. black if i watch i've still never as many times as i've watched it i've still never watched the woman in black on my own at night with the lights out i can't do it i can't do it I'm <laughs> that's what you told me to do <laughs> yeah well you know yeah i'm a good guy like you know the ones who fully experience watch it vicariously yeah yeah you know um no, I, I can see why. It's, um, it's, it's a creepy little bugger, that yeah. I will say. Um, yeah, so, okay then, fair enough. That's a fantastic uh, top five. Um, a couple in there that I thought you'd choose, uh, a couple in there I didn't. So thank you very much for that. Um, so just to end with, I'm going to do this. If you want to have a think about it while I, while I do this, um you see if you can as well so i've put together a christmas eve program of films and uh, christmas horror films and television uh from 3 p.m to midnight um and these are this is what i would watch if i could run any program of films say for example i was given bbc2 which is unlikely night in well impossible let's be honest um to ever happen this is what i would run so i would start at 3 p.m with gremlins because you can watch that with the kids um then at 5 p.m i would play rare exports have you ever seen rare exports i haven't but i know i need to okay okay so that's a uh, yeah a finished christmas film it's fabulous fun it's uh adventure and horror and um it's 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 pretty funny it's just it's fantastic it's just one of those films that you put on and you don't need to know anything about it and you'll come out the other end thinking yeah that was good i enjoyed that and it becomes one of those christmas films that you just want to go back to and loads and loads of, i don't know anyone that's seen it who hasn't at least enjoyed it um then at 7 p.m now i'm struggling to make a choice now because i was thinking that i would put on better watch out which is quite new like a home it's kind of a home invasion uh and then it 
twists into something else. Um, it's from 2015 or 16. Uh, I watched the first time I watched it, I really enjoyed it. And then I watched it, but forgot about it immediately. And then I watched it again recently. And I was like, Do you know, that's really good fun. It has like every film has its, has its problems, but it's just, it's a really entertaining film and it does go quite dark towards the end but has a fantastic final shot um that i uh, yeah I, I highly recommend it so it's out of that or there's an anthology um called a christmas horror story um that is has william shatner as uh like a kind of he's he kind of becomes more sozzles as it goes along as a dj and it's uh, and he kind of wraps the stories together so it's one of those kind of uh, portmanteau things really really good fun i that's another one that i watched a year or two ago and thought this is gonna be awful um <laughs> but it's just it's it's pure entertainment and it's a really good if you don't like one story you're going to get another one in a minute it's that kind of thing so you can't really get bored of it so it would be out of those two then at 9 p.m it would be the league of gentlemen christmas special because um it's under an hour and it means i can fit in more films 10 p.m christmas evil because because Christmas Evil and because that ended, <laughs> I'd absolutely put that in. And then at 12 at midnight, I would put on the stools of Barchester, um, the first proper ghost story for Christmas, because I think people should watch that at the time that it should be played. I mean, it's, it was initially at 11 p.m., but, you know, I'm trying to fit films in and whatnot here. So stools of Barchester would play at 12 and then you would go to bed utterly terrified, much as you would if you watched The Woman in Black. The only other thing I would possibly put in is there's a short that I watched for the first time today called Treevenge, which was hilarious and absolutely just blood drenched basically I'll, I'll give you the story go and find it it's i think i posted a link to it earlier on twitter it's 15 minutes of just craziness so uh it's a bunch of people cutting down christmas trees to sell um and the trees are essentially a family and they're all getting very upset while we've been taken away and being taken away from my family and they're all well uh, you know let let us out of the back of this truck and there's a tiny little Christmas tree, like a sapling kind of shaking and crying. A guy walks past and just treads on it. Um, and then people come and buy the trees. And then on Christmas day, the trees go bonkers and they just tear people up. And it is just, there's a moment right at the end with, I'm going to, I'm going to spoil it. I'm going to spoil it. I can't help it because it just, it, I was like, I can't believe they went there. There's a bit at the end with a woman and she's being attacked and her baby's on the floor crying. And they're like, you're not going to go there. And the tree just smashes its head in. And oh, I that sounds great. I couldn't, I was like, oh my God, they went there. And I, I howled with laughter because I was like, I can't believe they did that. It's brilliant. And that's pretty much how it film finishes. It's 15 minutes that, it's one of those things, not 15 minutes you won't get back. It's 15 minutes that you'll want to enjoy again. I can't recommend it enough. It was so funny and so silly and so utterly depraved. It's just, yeah, it's fantastic. Treevenge. Go and check that out. Go and check it out after. It's only 15 minutes. I will. Um, so there you go. So that, 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 that would be my uh, Christmas Eve viewing. I don't think I'd get Treevenge on TV, but, you know, whatever. I own BBC Two that night. Good. Um, so I don't know whether you have any, don't worry if you don't, I can um, post something up after if you don't have any in mind. I'll well, a, 
a baby getting his head smashed in is just top of the pops for me. So I'm just going to uh, think about that for a little while and then uh, possibly not sleep tonight. Uh, um, we, is it going to be strictly horror? Because that might, this might be where I show my softer sides. Go for it. I don't mind. It's Christmas. If I can't let you do what you want at Christmas, when yeah. can I? I, I'm not. I'm not exactly Carol Vorderman, so the time restraints here might not quite work out because I can't right. remember what time you said it starts. But let's just say, right, Home Alone for me is the best Christmas movie of all time. And when I say that, I mean if we're not talking horror realm, talking just Christmas movies, it's Home Alone for me, all way, all the I, way. I will say one thing about Home Alone. Home Alone is almost a horror film it's a home invasion <laughs> yeah. comedy thriller so i'm gonna allow that as a horror film i'm gonna let that in it could so, have easily been that that one or the second one either one of the two they're, yeah. they're gonna be on at some point christmas time because it's it's essential viewing for me at christmas it's not christmas uh, you need a christmas tree the christmas time you need to exchange gifts you have to also watch home alone it's, it's in the rule book no that's fine that's fine i approve of that home alone's a great film Okay, um, and then uh, um, Die Hard at some point has to go on. Yeah. Because, you know, just because it's fun to argue whether it is Die Hard or not. And maybe you can argue with your family members for the whole duration, whether it's actually um, uh, a Christmas movie, which it is because... The, oh, no, uh, it, it is. I, we're not going to... We don't need to discuss that. It's a Christmas yeah. movie. Because the script it's, writer says it is so there, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Die Hard. Um, that'll probably take me up to on now. What time are we talking now? Seven so you've how many of you? How many of you? Two films. So if you started at three, you are now at seven p.m. And I and I, it's just it's my own channel. It's just called the Slasher Trash Channel. It's Fine. not BBC Two or whatever because I don't care about the watershed. Um, so <laughs> then I will watch. Um, I think I would have to watch Black Christmas. Yep. You got to do that. And then what we're we talking now? What time are we? Uh, you're now at nine p.m. Oh, perfect. Okay, then, then it's Woman in Black, obviously. Nice timing, yeah. That Woman in Black, Takes perfect timing. Yeah. And then take me to 11. And then I would say my last couple of viewings or viewing, whichever one I'm like, I would probably say The Signal Man or, yeah. or nice. A Warning to the Curious. Nice. Yeah. I just really like those ones. I just like the warning. Mm -hmm. I just like the way the guy's just trying to unearth this. this um, the, the amateur archaeologist trying to unearth this treasure and then he ends up realising it's haunted by someone. Leave just, well enough alone. Yeah, and then obviously the signal man. I just really, really liked... That was the last one I ever saw. And yeah. it's one that I never saw when I, was, when I was a kid. I'd seen all of them to some degree yeah. um, when I was a kid, but um, the signal man, when I hadn't. And I watched it and just the ending is just so creepy. I, I just thought it was superb. And um, I quite liked M.R. James and I was surprised to realise that that was the charles dickens one yeah yeah it was and that that has an interesting story because the year before he wrote that um dickens was and i it's completely slipped my mind what the crash was but he was in a train crash where it i think the train the signal sorry a guy was fixing the track and he forgot to change um the signaling or forgot to do something and thought he had two hours and he oh. didn't and a train crashed and went down into the viaduct and he miraculously escaped but it it completely ruined him like for the longest time and oh. he wrote, he wrote about and so the signal man is kind of it's not based on that but obviously it has the train crash element in there but it, it certainly influenced his thinking as far as the signal man is concerned wow mm. so, um, i didn't know that and that makes it even more sort of poignant and scary yes 
So yes. yeah, I think that would see. I think that would see me through. It, it makes sense to finish with the woman in black in theory, but no, I, 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 no too I scared because yeah. I want to be able to get up <laughs> and have a good night's sleep. Traditionally, ghost stories were Chris, for Christmas were played at eleven p.m. and I think you're almost bang on for that. So that's oh, a perfect end, and then you can good. go to bed still slightly worried about woman in black. Yeah, um, but I was I was writing down a bunch of. Um, of Christmas films and seeing whether they would fit things like black Christmas absolutely would fit, but I knew you'd probably pick them. So I thought, well, let's try and mix it up a bit. So I just put in, I tried to kind of go a different way. Gremlins is kind of obvious, but I, I thought you're not going to pick that. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's a bunch of other films that we, we could have picked. You could have had, um, you could have gone TV movie route. You could have had home for the holidays, the Sally field. Oh yeah. All to film the dorm that drip blood, which would be, Yes. More up your street. Absolutely. Um, I did put Don't Open Till Christmas there, but we've discussed that. Elves, which I've never seen, which kind of goes one way, people yeah. love it or utterly, utterly hate it. Um, to All a Good Night. I th- is that a recent one or is that an old one? I can't remember. They, um, to All a Good Night is the David Hess directed 1980 ah, slasher. That's the one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, a lot of love for that. Um, I already mentioned Treevenge. There's a Puppet Master film that is not part of the canon called Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. We've yeah. got Feldman in. If you ever yeah. fancy going down that route, uh, you've got the Jack Frost films, not the Michael Keaton ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely not that. <laughs> yeah, strange slasher ones. Obviously, Silent Night, Deadly Night, One, Two, Three, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The Children, another film that I haven't seen. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Dead it's End. Good. With Lin Shay. Um, no, uh, obviously Nightmare Before Christmas, kind of a, a film that lots of people love, especially for This Is Halloween, which is a fantastic song. Uh, Sin, which is Saint, but in, I think it's Dutch film. Uh, I haven't seen that either. I've heard so, of that one. Santa's Slay, which I watched the other day, which is hilarious and awful, but just, it's, it's, it's good fun. I think it's on... I think it's on Amazon Prime in case it basically Santa's a dick, but he's um, I don't know whether like he, he can't. Oh, he played a game with an angel and the angel one, which meant that Santa couldn't be bad for X thousand years or whatever. And then those thousand years are up now. So he can oh. be bad again. So he goes, so he's like begrudgingly given people presents and been, you know, just really nice for ages and hated it. And now he's, he's bad and, and it's all changed and he just starts fucking people up. Quite frankly, it's very silly, very stupid, but you know, Christmas, um, holidays. Did you ever see holidays that was on uh, Netflix? It was like another kind of anthology thing. Uh, there's a Christmas, uh, there's a Christmas segment segment with Seth Green trying to buy a toy for his, Sun. It's not quite as good as it thinks it is, but it's still no, it's okay. There's a really old Christmas film called Whoever Slew Auntie Rue from 1971, which is often cited as like the first of those kind of Christmas films. I'm not sure it is. I'm sure there are others. Krampus. Have you seen Krampus? Everyone's seen Krampus. You no, I haven't. I you haven't seen, seen Krampus. No, I haven't seen Call it. yourself a fan of Christmas. Oh no. Um. And Better Watch Out, which I don't think you've seen either, which you really should see. If you have Sky Movies, it's on there at the moment. Um, I added Home Alone in there too and put next to it slash Home Invasion. So there you go. So when you brought that, I was like, really? And then the kind of 
slight sequel to Cat People, Curse of the Cat People, which isn't, which is uh, a kind of Christmas film, but it's um, it's no nothing like the original Cat People. They Val Luton was given the title, and he was like, "Oh crap, I've got to make a film called Curse of the Cat People." So it doesn't <laughs> quite fit, but a fantastic film nonetheless. There are tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of other Christmas films, but if I listed them all. Uh, it's getting on for 10 o'clock now. We would be here for a long, long time. So all that remains for me to say is thank you very much, Gareth. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for, for holding my hand through this very difficult first podcast. I promise to my uh, adoring audience that it will get better. But, you know, we got to start somewhere. Fan- thank God you were good. Um, so on that bombshell a Merry Christmas to you a Merry Christmas to everyone and we will see you in the new year well I will at least sorry I'll be, uh, I'll be long gone by then it'll be long gone by then um, yeah I'll see you in the new year with a new episode who knows what that might be about Merry Christmas everyone Merry Christmas and to all a good night Christmas time There's no need to be afraid At Christmas time We let in light And we banish it And in our world Of plenty We can spread a smile of joy It's recording. Cool. Oh, hang on. <clears throat> I'll have to edit this out later.